What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast presented by Student Union Sports. It was a very exciting week six in the NFL. Uh, A lot of things to cover and a lot of stuff to talk about. Like I said, I'm your host, Jonathan Terry. Riding solo on this episode, you've gone five weeks with somebody else, uh, but now you're just stuck with me for this one. But don't worry, still going to be a lot of fun. Uh, For this week, we're going to stick strictly to the games, talk about what happened, what it means moving forward for each of these teams, um, and hopefully get through all of them and have enough time to preview the Monday night football games. So without any more messing around, let's get into tonight's game uh, between the Rams and the 49ers. The 49ers won 24-16, uh, really off the back of a much-improved Jimmy Garoppolo coming off of uh, uh, a terrible loss to the Dolphins where they where he was actually benched uh, at halftime, and, and C.J. Beathard came in throughout the rest of the and played the rest of the game. But he looked a lot better here, uh, and I'm just going to chalk it up really to an ankle injury. I think that's what it came down to. Uh, he was still struggling with the high ankle sprain, and and tonight we saw really what he could do, uh, and it was very impressive. He started the game 14 of 16 through two touchdowns, and they jumped out to an early lead. Uh, they got a lot of uh, a lot of solid work from Raheem Mostert before he unfortunately was out of the game with injury. Trent Williams also went down uh, in the game, but Jimmy Garoppolo 23 of 33, 268 yards and three touchdowns. George Kittle, another great game, seven catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown. Um, this was a very good performance by the 49ers who, coming into it, this was a must-win game. And uh, fortunately, they proved that they were capable of, of keeping pace in the NFC West. But I want to bring a light to something before we talk about what the Rams did. Uh, a unique situation that the 49ers are dealing with and that a lot of teams um, in in states that have harsher COVID restrictions are, are dealing with. The, the 49ers have played, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, um, have played, yes, this was their fourth game, and this was their first win at home. Uh, and, and I don't know, you know, what what it really means, um, and, you know, because ultimately a lot of these stadiums aren't even a quarter full, but is there is there some sort of, you know, a, a loss of home field advantage without having any fans in the stands at all, even having 5, 10, 15,000 um, obviously will make a difference, but, but, you know, how much of a difference exactly? 49ers are 1-3 and three now at home, have played half of their home games, uh, and they've played... I mean, they're very winnable games. They played the Cardinals, they played the uh, Eagles, and they played the Dolphins. All three of them losses uh, before they finally beat the Rams. I don't know exactly what to make of it per se, but it's certainly something that I want to look for moving forward, and maybe I'll even do some research throughout the week and see um, the the win-loss splits for teams at home playing with and without fans, because it has to make a difference, obviously, in, in terms of just a morale thing, but... If you know some some stadiums are letting fans back early, it, it, it's almost providing an, a borderline unfair advantage to to things that are out of their control. Um, but something definitely to to look for over these next few weeks. But the Rams, Jared Goff was not in rhythm at all tonight, and part of that was the fact that you know some 49ers are coming back from injury. They're starting to get healthy. Uh, Daryl Henderson averaged six yards a carry, 14 carries, 88 yards. But the issue with that was they they'd started down 14 nothing almost immediately and so it was really hard to get back in the game uh after that point uh and and you know they they came within a score they unfortunately didn't get the ball back because they couldn't they couldn't stop them but 
the matchup that I was most interested in was the fact that Aaron Donald was pretty much useless in this game and obviously not useless because he is, you know, the best player in the NFL for a reason. Um, but he didn't get after the quarterback. He was single covered on a lot of these different splits and they showed it on Sunday night football, just how easily, um, that, that the 49ers were dealing with him, even when they weren't double covering him, which was a very impressive to me. Uh, I, I think that that's very encouraging. And, and that 49ers offensive line is a lot better than I think people realize and understand. Obviously, if they can't get Trent Williams back, that's going to be a huge loss. But they've got a solid group put together. I think I was looking at it when they dropped their PFF rankings, and they've got four out of their five guys in the top 12 uh, at their position, which is very, very impressive. And I know PFF's not the end-all, be-all, but still, that's absolutely something that you have to look for. Uh, when when evaluating talent, especially in the offensive line for for the casual football fan, I know there are a lot of people that know what to look for and and are a lot better at evaluating it. But for the the guys that just sit down and and watch every Sunday, you can look at that and that gives you a metric of okay, this is how effective uh, a running back can be. But moving forward, the 49ers, um, if you didn't see it, are, are playing you know a really tough stretch of football over these next five weeks. They go Patriots on the road with Patriots on the road against the Seahawks, home uh, against the Packers, on the road against the Saints. Then they play the Rams on the road. And then just for good measure, they get the Bills at home. Like this is, you know, an incredibly difficult stretch. Um, and, and fortunately enough for them, they're, they're now three and three. So, you know, if they can come out of this even split or, or even get out ahead, you know, be six and five, then they're in good shape. But it's, it's not going to be, no game's going to be a pushover for them. The Rams moved to four and two. And over the next few weeks, they go a little up and down. Uh, they get the Bears at home, the Dolphins on the road, Seahawks at home, and then the Bucks uh, on the road. So not an easy stretch for them by any means. And, and it won't be for the rest of the season, just considering the, the, the division that they're playing in. Even the 49ers now at 3-3, three and three, a team that had just gone to the Super Bowl last year and kept a lot of its key pieces, even if they are injured, uh, at three and three is last in the division. Obviously, we'll have to see how this Cardinals game turns out. But you could have three teams over 500 uh, in the NFC West, and including one of them, the Seahawks, which are are, are still five and zero. Oh. But let's keep it moving. Let's whip around the league. Talk about a couple games. First one, let's hit Bengals Colts. Um, obviously, that's a game that I watch with with excitement and, and interest. Not a whole lot of excitement in the first quarter. Uh, as the Bengals went up to a huge 21-0 lead. But we may have seen the best game from Phillip Rivers as the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, his, his second quarter was incredible. He was taking deep shots. Marcus Johnson has become somewhat of a revelation in terms of, of a reliable target now in this receiving this banged-up receiving core. Um, and, and it's fun to watch. I mean, even, even against the Browns and the loss, three catches, 53 yards, he's definitely become our deep play threat as T.Y. Hilton has... You know, kind of shrunk into the background, and ultimately, Ty. You know, you're going to hear this again another week of oh, Ty's washed. Like he's he's not able to 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 play at this level anymore. But he had a great toe tap catch that I think they should have called a catch originally, um, but it got overturned. He had a touchdown grab that got overturned by uh, offensive pass interference, and he had another big slant play that I think he went for for 25 that also got called back due to an offensive pass interference. Uh, none of them on him, by the way, uh, just just kind of his surroundings, and, and it was a little unfortunate. He still ended with one catch for 11 yards, but that stat line looks a lot different, especially if you, you throw in a touchdown. But 
Colts may have turned a corner of Phillip Rivers, but I don't really know. I don't really know what to expect. Um, obviously, Phillip Rivers threw an interception, just natural. But, you know, I would like to see Jonathan Taylor get more involved in the running game, um, but also not get to the point where we're force-feeding him because if we our offense has been the most effective it was all year when we were letting Phillip Rivers unload and take shots down the field. And I have no issue with that whatsoever if we continue to do that in the future. Moving over to the Bengals, um, yet another, uh, well, I guess this is still talking about the Colts, yet another rusher that has failed to reach the 80-yard mark this season. And, and you add it to the list of the impressive running backs the Colts have faced, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, uh, Kareem Hunt, David Montgomery, uh, and even James Robinson before we really knew he was going to be a breakout guy. None of them have hit 80 yards, and they're all averaging under four yards a carry for the most part. Um, but for the Bengals, Joe Burrow got off to a great start. The offense was moving. Uh, A.J. Green had some sort, uh, a little bit of a comeback game, but uh, yeah, they, they're just unable to, to win in these close games. You look at their, uh, some of these losses on the season. Obviously, they tied with the Eagles, couldn't get it done there. Lost by only five to the Browns. Um, Randy Bullock obviously missing that field goal in game one at the end of regulation. Um, that would have led them to a win. They ended up losing that one. Um, and this just chalk it up to another uh, single possession game where they even had the ball going down the stretch and, and they couldn't get it done. Um, but quickly before we move on to the next game, Randy Bullock has not missed a field goal since that that potential game tire against the um, against the Chargers. He's been perfect. Or no, I take that back. He missed one in today's game, but he's been perfect since then, uh, which has been very very impressive for them. Um, but obviously, he makes that kick. And their, their mindset is totally different, driving back down the field. Um, and they probably play a little more conservatively to get them set up for, for a game-winning field goal. And this is a much different ball game. But looking forward to the Colts, they go on by. Then after that, uh, they play the Lions, and then it gets tough. They go Ravens, uh, get them at home on the road against the Titans, Packers at home, Titans at home, uh, and then go on the road to face the Texans. For the Bengals, they drop to 1-4 and four on the season, Colts 4-2. and two. Now, next week, they get the Browns again. Then they go Titans uh, at home, Steelers on the road, and then the Washington football team on the road. Um, speaking of Titans, Texans, Texans narrowly uh, almost pulled off a, a win here going up against the Titans, who are, are now 5-0 and on the year. Uh, and I, I caught a lot of you know mixed, uh, mixed reviews for Romeo Cornell's decision to go for two, which would have put the game on ice, pushed it to nine points as opposed to eight, and, and forced them to, to uh, basically lose. They, they would have to score twice, which would have been impossible given the time they had left. And I hear a lot of people uh, hating on Romeo Cornell, saying, oh, he doesn't trust the defense, this and that. This is a good move. This was a very smart move by him. Because you can still trust your defense and go for two in this situation. The only thing that you're eliminating is how difficult it would be for the other team to tie it up. So if the Texans don't score, uh, or Titans don't score a touchdown, the game's over. It doesn't go to overtime. There's none of this. Nothing happens. It's done. So to say that Romeo Cornell doesn't trust his defense is not true. The fact that he went for two knowing that his defense may, may have a hard time stopping the Titans from scoring... Uh, which he was right, by the way, they did, and they ended up losing it overtime. Uh, is a, it's a it's a good move because you can't score twice. It doesn't matter how quick they score, and I think they scored with the look at this. I think it was three seconds left or something like that. Um, so, it, oh wait, hang on. 
yeah, was it three seconds left? Let's see. Four, four seconds. Yeah, they scored four seconds left. The game was was done. There's no way they could have gotten both. Um, so I like this move. I like the aggressive play. Maybe not the best play call, um, and, and that's part of the issue. But the other thing is, Derrick Henry, we have reached tractor-cito season, uh, which is very exciting for Titans fans, very exciting for Derrick Henry fantasy owners, but not exciting for uh, AFC South fans uh, or anybody who generally doesn't like the Titans because this is where the Titans really get going and Ryan Tannehill has been able to um, command the offense and play really well he even had a good game today 30 of 41 364 yards four touchdowns and a pick but the story is is Derrick Henry 22 carries 212 yards and two touchdowns including a 94 yard touchdown which is absolutely insane um, once they get going like this, and this is why it's a, it's a unique spot because you say, oh, it, you can't do this long term. This doesn't win games long term. Well, fortunately, now they have a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill who, who is more than capable of carrying the team um, through these stretches. And then Derrick Henry can just pick his spots to really go off. And ultimately, if they can keep uh, Derrick Henry's load in check, which they have for the most part, and Jeremy McNichols had a, a, a good game too, he's only rushed 101 times on the season uh, over five games, so that's 20 times. He's rushing the ball 20 times a game, which is more than, I mean, he's tied for second in the NFL right now, but that's more than enough and, and, and easily a, a place where he could stay throughout the whole season um, if he needed to. But even then, Ryan Tannehill is... is um, to, uh, keeping incredible control of the ball. He's not turning it over. He's putting up big games um, and, and you know, picking his spots too, which I think is a, a, a cool thing to see what they've worked out. And, um, I mean, obviously I have issues with the Titans' defense. They've allowed 30 points three out of their five games, um, including uh, to the Jaguars and the Vikings. So that's, you know, there's there's a little bit of a cause for alarm there. And they've lost... Now four, or they've won four out of their five games that have been decided by um, three points or less or gone into overtime. So, you know, how how close are these games going either way? I don't know if I'm entirely sold on the Titans, but the way that they've built this team and the way that it's mapped out is is actually very, very exciting. Um, but moving forward for the Titans, they are, are, are going to get a big showdown with the Steelers next week. I'm excited to watch that one. And then they go uh, on the road to play the Bengals. Then they get the Bears at home. And then they host the Indianapolis Colts. And then after that, they go on the road to face the Ravens. So tough stretch for them. Oh, and then even looking further, they get the Browns uh, at home as well. So it, it's a tough stretch. Um, but it's really a tough stretch for a lot of these teams at this point. This is where these, these chunk games are being played. And another impressive performance for Deshaun Watson. Another four-touchdown game, 300 yards. Um, did a really good job keeping his team in the game, picking his spots. Um, and they kept them pretty clean for the most part, pretty pretty upright. Um, but ultimately, they just physically couldn't get a stop on defense, and um, that's what led to to their eventual loss. But you can't pin it on Deshaun Watson. I think he's a very talented player, and any team would be lucky to have him. If he chooses not to re-sign with them, I have no problem with that. I mean, I would love it if he went to the Colts, obviously, because I mean that's a this guy's a franchise-altering quarterback. He's keeping them afloat in a lot of these games, even if they are one and five. Um, they've they've been competitive in a lot of these games. They lost by seven to the Steelers. They lost by eight to the Vikings, uh, and obviously went to overtime with with the Titans. If something goes wrong, um, then then they're you know it, or a ball bounces their way, then they're in a really good spot to win the game. So I'm not in the slightest concerned uh, with what I've seen from from the Titans so far, or with the Texans so far, and, and Deshaun Watson is 
a good player, and they could go on a little bit of a run if they have to. I mean, obviously, they've got a tough schedule coming up. They get the Packers at home, uh, go on the road to play the Jaguars, the Browns uh, on the road, the Patriots at home, and then the Lions on the road. But these are winnable games. And with with seven wildcard spots, you know, a, a team that's going to go 7-9, is going to compete for that spot. And if they can turn a corner, if the ball can bounce their way a little bit, their season's not done. And mainly because they have Deshaun Watson. If they didn't have him, I mean, it's over. For most of these teams, you look at all these one-win teams, they're toast. But if they can turn a corner, if they can show some real uh, some real effort, if those guys can get healthy, if the defense can show up, this could be a very different team. Keep it moving. Falcons-Vikings. Falcons got their first win of the season. Matt Ryan looks like MVP form, 30-40, 371 yards, and four touchdowns. Kirk Cousins, however, has thrown three more interceptions, adding to his league-leading seven on the season, which is incredible in its own right. QBR of 28 this season, eight touchdowns, seven interceptions. But Alexander Madison, the guy everyone thought was going to go off in fantasy, did not go off in the slightest 10 carries 26 yards and that's largely because they were down for a big portion of this game thanks to those Kirk Cousins interceptions now Kirk Cousins turned a corner threw three touchdowns in the second half um, and you know tried to keep pace but the the Falcons fortunately were able to hold on to a lead Uh, the the Vikings scored 23 points in the second half the Falcons scored 20 which is great that's fantastic and you're already making progress uh, from from those issues that you had with with Dan Quinn um, so fortunately for them, you know, get in the win column are now no longer a part of the winless club, which only hosts the New York Jets now. Um, but for the Vikings, I mean, Dalvin Cook was the offense. You know, you, you relied on him to kind of take the pressure off Kirk Cousins. And we see what he has to do with no Kirk Cousins or with no Dalvin Cook. And that's, you know, throw interceptions. And, and even though he threw for 343 yards, even though he threw for three touchdowns, this was not an impressive outing from him in the slightest. Um, but we'll keep it moving here. we got a lot of games to cover. The Broncos beat the Patriots 18-12. Cam Newton was back. Drew Locke was back. Six field goals for the Broncos, including, if I'm not mistaken, three? No, two from 50 yards uh, or more away. Brandon McManus had a field day for fantasy owners, um, and the, the Patriots tried to push it close towards the end. They they got down the stretch. The, the Broncos really did almost lose this um, lose this this game, but a, a failed fourth down conversion in Broncos territory uh, eventually gave the Broncos their second win on the season, and the Patriots fall to two and three. Uh, Cam Newton didn't have his best game, but I feel like that could be expected. They weren't practicing a lot. He had just come off the, the COVID list, um, so there's going to be some growing pains there, but I mean, that's a game you can't afford to lose, uh, especially, you know, you look at the Bills, if they can go out and get a win uh, against the, um, the, the Chiefs tomorrow, they're five and one. I mean, they're running away with this division, and the Patriots are now third at two and three. They're third in the division. Who's second? Miami Dolphins. We'll get to them in a little bit. Um, but I mean, this experiment isn't over yet. I think they're very much in the same boat with the Texans, even more so um, because you look at what this team was was capable of accomplishing. You look at back at some of their their recent games. Um, they they came within a yard of of beating the uh, the Seahawks. If they had Cam Newton, I fully believe they would have beaten the Chiefs. Um, even though they pulled away there at the end. And then they beat the Raiders by 16, who who took down the Chiefs um, the two weeks after. But was not impressed by Drew Locke. I think it's another similar situation there, growing pains, injuries, whatever the case may be. Philip Lindsay, first game back, rushed for 100 yards. No Melvin Gordon, um, which helped his workload. But 
Um, I mean, this this Broncos team, I had them going 10-6. and six. I had them getting a wild card spot. I don't think that's out just yet. I mean, obviously, losing Cortland Sutton is huge. Losing Von Miller is big, even when they were without Drew Locke. Drew Locke was 10 of 24 uh, with two interceptions. Not good at all. Um, and this the, the clock management, too, coming down the stretch. Drew Locke taking a deep shot into double coverage, um, which was later interception, intercepted and turned into points for, for the Patriots. I mean, that can't happen. You know, they snuck away with this one. Um, the, the tide finally turned on them, where in a couple of these games, um, the ball just didn't bounce their way, too. The first two games of the season, they could have easily been 2-0 and as opposed to 0-2, losing by two points to the Titans and five to the Broncos, even with Jeff Driscoll in at quarterback um, in, in relief of, of Drew Locke when he went down with an injury. But, you know, they, they win those two games, and all of a sudden they're 4-1. and So this is a, still a very good football team. I really like the offensive line. I think the weapons are still developing. Tim Patrick has has emerged as, as um, the guy, really the wide receiver, um, that we all expected you know, Cortland Sutton would fill or Jerry Judy would fill. Um, but Tim Patrick's really started to take it over and, and play some really good football here uh, as of late. But Broncos go up a couple divisional games. Chiefs uh, and Chargers both come to mile high, and then they get the Falcons on the road and the Raiders on the road. Um, but looking forward to the Patriots next couple of games, they get the 49ers uh, at home. They get the Bills on the road. That's a big one that they need to take. And then they, they get to take a week off uh, and play the, the New York Jets. Keeping it rolling here, Giants-Washington uh, football team, 20-19. to 19, uh, the Washington went for two to, to win the game with Kyle Allen. Didn't convert, but I love the move, Ron Rivera. It's an aggressive move, and, and I don't view it as him not trusting the defense or him not wanting to go to overtime, but it's simply... You drove your team down the field, put them in a position to win, uh, and and now you've got a chance to seal it. Why why leave it up to chance? I mean, you look at what what happened with the, with the Texans. Um, obviously, they didn't they didn't even touch the ball once in overtime, and and the the Titans went down to score, and that's a whole different conversation of uh, you know what the overtime rules need to be and and how that may look in the future. But I love the move by Ron Rivera. It just simply the play didn't work. That's really what it comes down to. I, I would rather um, give give my team the best chance to win and put them in a position immediately to to do something than, than wait it out, hope you get the coin toss, or hope that, that your defense can get a stop. Win it right away. Kyle Allen was very impressive. 31 to 42, 280 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Um, and it seems like J.D. McKissick has kind of established himself as as the, um, the utility guy. I mean, similar to what Antonio Gibson was was lauded to be, but McKissick's just getting more touches at this point um, and, and doing more with it, an effective, a more effective runner at this point. But both teams are now 1-5 and five on the season. Washington gets a, a couple of divisional games, Cowboys at home, and then a rematch with the Giants uh, before they go to face the Lions on the road and the Bengals at home. Um, the Giants, however, Daniel Jones was not very impressive uh through the air on the ground seven carries 74 yards was lighting him up including a 49 yard rush um this was not a great game uh by the giant standards but it was enough um and and they won so you know got on the win column and, and that's all that really can be expected over the next few weeks they've got a couple of divisional games too on the road to play the eagles at home against the bucks uh and then on the road with a rematch uh for washington Ravens Eagles. This one was impressive. I was I was impressed by what the Eagles have been able to do. Obviously, down uh, a lot of guys due to injury again for another year. 
Um, Miles Sanders got got hurt late in the game. I assumed it was done. It was over with. But they kept driving and and were a failed two-point conversion away from at least forcing overtime, if not more. Who, who knows what could have happened um, coming down the stretch. But another great game by Travis Fulgham, uh, a guy who I really liked last week, obviously, um, coming off that the massive week that he had. And I'm glad to see that, that he's kept that production. But I'm hoping that this meant that, that Carson Wentz has turned a corner. I mean, that was a... Great, fantastic last drive by him to score that touchdown and get them in a position to win. They outscored the the Ravens twenty two to six in the fourth quarter. They they scored almost all of their points um, in in that fourth and and like I said, we're close to to forcing overtime. This was a very impressive showing. Um, but the Eagles next week, uh, like I said, they get the Giants and then they play the Cowboys uh, and then they get the Giants again. So this is a team. Or I guess there's a bye week mixed in there too. Um, but this is a team that, that is, even though they're one, four and one, the division leader is two and three and maybe two and four, you know, depending on how this, this Monday night game goes, but this division is not far from over, but these next three games are key, not only in divisional tie break, but also because they get one against the Cowboys and, and how that shapes out. We don't know, um, but that's going to be huge with, with playoff implications down the line, because this legitimately could be. Uh, a seven-win team that makes the playoffs, and I, and I think it might be. I think there's a very good chance, but I want to see the Carson Wentz, the MVP form Carson Wentz, um, pre-ACL injury, and I think I'm hoping that that we've seen him him turn a corner, and now he can use the weapons um, to really take this team to the next level. The Ravens, I mean, you know, it's the Ravens. They're they're doing what they do. I was surprised that the defense let him come back in this game, um, but also. I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I really don't, I'm, I'm not sold on them yet still. I think this was a team that a lot of people loved last year. I didn't love, um, and they had a great season, couldn't win in the playoffs. But now, you know, you've kind of showed your hand, right? The the, the experiment didn't work. They got stopped yet again in the playoffs. Um, are they a team that's going to show a lot of regular season success, but then fail to really make it count? Uh, when they need to and that's something that we're going to see in two weeks when they play the Steelers um, they get them at home they're they're stretched over the next five weeks uh, they get a buy this week but after that is really going to show us what they're about and, and what they're capable of they go uh, Steelers at home on the road to play the Colts Patriots on the road uh, at home against the Titans and then they get the Steelers again on the road um this is this is it. You know, this is really going to be their their defining stretch uh, for a lot of teams. These next five six weeks are huge, um, and that's where we're really going to see how these teams shake up. Because as we've seen, a lot of things can happen uh, in in a, in a short span of time in in terms of our view of, of other teams. We'll just scan through these pretty quick. I mean, the Dolphins blew out the Jets. There's not really much to say about that, um, so we can just skip over that. When the Buccaneers looked like you know a, a one of the best teams in the NFC this week, absolutely demolishing the Packers, scored 38 straight points after the Packers scored the first 10. Two interceptions on two passes, uh, two straight passes for for Aaron Rodgers. One of them was returned for a touchdown. Um, but you know, all these teams, the flaws are starting to come out. What they are, what they are, are capable of, or, or what they're lacking, is is becoming more and more prevalent. And one thing that I like to say all the time that people really don't understand is there are different kinds of wins in the NFL. And I think it's easy to look at one team and say, okay, they beat this team uh, and they lost to this team, so they're better than this one team and they're worse than this other team. But that's not the case. You you look at there there are dominant defensive performances. There's uh, elite play from your quarterback. There's establishing the run game. There's simply 
uh, managing the clock, limiting turnovers, forcing turnovers. There are so many elements that go into a win that it's impossible to look at one specific instance and say, okay, because of this, uh, I know that this team is better than this team, right? Like the Seahawks are, are undefeated, but they've played in a lot of close games as of the Titans. They're both in a very similar boat in terms of, yes, from an, an, uh, a record standpoint, they look fantastic. But if the Titans, you know, if something goes wrong and, and they don't score a touchdown against the Texans, that's a loss there. If the Jaguars uh, can can make field goals, that's a loss there. If if the, the Vikings, I think they missed one too. If the Vikings miss a field goal, um, and, and Gostikowski doesn't make six, then that's a loss there. Yeah, Dan Bailey did miss one. So there's so many things that go into a win that it's nearly impossible, especially at this point in the season, to look at a team and say just because they're undefeated that they're going to be one of the best teams in the league. Now, obviously, you know, you have to win X number of games to 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 be considered, you know, I'm not going around saying the Jets are a great team uh, because they're 0-5 and for, for various number of reasons, but there are a lot of really talented one, two, three win teams at this point um, that most people aren't even paying attention to. But I think we're going to get a lot better idea of how the NFL season is going to look after these after the next month. And in a month, we can come back and revisit it. And I would feel pretty confident in making my um, my updated playoff uh, playoff predictions. But let's keep it rolling. We've got a couple more games to go over still here. Um, Steelers blew out the Browns. Baker was taking a beating, made a lot of mistakes. And the Steelers have are one of those teams that have been surprising me so far. I think they've um, they've played really well. Um, after playing in a couple of close games, they've started to distance themselves a little bit. And um, a great game against the Eagles, uh, a great game against the Browns. These next few weeks, they go Titans, Ravens, Cowboys. Um, that's Those are three tough games, especially the first two. Um, with the Ravens and Titans, two of the best teams in the AFC. And we're really going to get a gauge of, of, of where they're at at this point in the season. But before we go, just a quick look ahead to the Monday game. Chiefs-Bills in Buffalo. Um, I mean, Josh Allen was less than stellar in his game against the Titans. Um, and, you know, they absolutely got blown out because of it. He's been getting no help in the run game. Zach Moss has been hurt. Devin Singletary hasn't been as, as effective as he was when paired with um, Frank Gore as of last year. Lev Bell, new on the Chiefs, won't be playing tomorrow night, um, but he will, or tomorrow afternoon, I should say, depending on where you're at, but but he should be getting some reps in the next week. And how much that cuts into CH's time, I don't really know. Um, these are both two teams coming off of a loss. The, the ESPN Power Football Index has the Chiefs winning uh, 67 per 0.5% compared to 32.3 uh, for Buffalo and a, I guess a 0.3% chance of a tie. Um, I think the Chiefs ultimately are, are the better football team. I think they're more uh, rounded. I think they have the better quarterback, although Josh Allen's been playing incredibly well this season. Both teams coming off a loss. Who's going to be more motivated? Who's going to be more disciplined? I'm going to go with the team that went to the Super Bowl last year. I, I, I think they've got... Um, you know, a, a really strong resolve. They've obviously have a fantastic team uh, that they've that they've been able to build around uh, their guy and, and Patrick Mahomes. They're missing a couple pieces, but um, I, I think Chris Jones is, is going to be a huge playmaker, and we're going to get to see Josh Allen in another uh, against another really good defense. But I don't think. Um, we're going to, uh, for Bills fans, are going to like the end result. So I've got the Chiefs here, but I think it is going to be a high-scoring one. I'm going to go 
probably 31 to 27. I think both teams, uh, it, it'll come down to the wire, and and but I've got the Chiefs pulling it out. Uh, and then the Cardinals-Cowboys. This one is also going to be very high scoring. We get Andy Dalton in his first start um, going up against the Cardinals and, and Kyler Murray. I think both teams score 30. I'm going to say that right off the bat. Um, the, the Cowboys have probably one of the worst defenses in the league. Uh, statistically, uh, uh, with the eye test, whatever, whatever metric you want to put against it, um, they have been, they've been really bad. Uh, points allowed in their first few games, 20 uh, in week one, 39, 38, 49, 34. Um, not good at all. And this is a very potent Cardinals offense um, but also a defense that that isn't you know hasn't really performed up to standard considering you know the playmakers they've gotten drafting Isaiah Simmons, Buda Baker, Chandler Jones who unfortunately um, was hurt but they they've looked uh, they're obviously a little bit better but they haven't faced a an, an offense like the Cowboys as of yet they played the 49ers in Week One but the next few weeks it's Washington, Detroit, Carolina and the Jets so. You know, you're you're missing a, a lot of those top level top level offenses. I think the biggest thing is what are we going to get out of Andy Dalton? He he put together a great uh, fourth quarter drive against the Giants that set up a game winning field goal um, and and put them in the win column at two and three. But I mean, this is a better uh, defense in Arizona than than New York, but also a full game uh, a full game plan. Uh, I I don't know really what to expect from from Andy Dalton and the Cowboys. The one thing I hope for, and something I've talked about before, is that Mike McCarthy will lean on Zeke to establish a run just a little bit more. Um, so I'm going to put a caveat on this one. If if Zeke gets 20 carries or more, I think the, the Cowboys win this game. Uh, 20 carries or less, I think it's the Cardinals. So I'm going to say 35 to 31 as, as my final score. Um, and if Zeke hits 20 or more carries, they're winning the game. If he doesn't, they're losing it, and I think that's going to be the case for the rest of the season. They really have to to feed Zeke and get him going, um, and use him as an opportunity to open up the pass. They've they've fallen behind in, in games too early and have abandoned it, uh, or even stayed in games and just stuck through the air. Um, but Zeke's one of the best running backs in the league for a reason. You're paying him a ton of money, so you might as well use him. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, this week's episode, or I guess part one of this week's episode, part two. Uh, we've got a fantastic interview coming on Wednesday that you don't want to miss. Um, and don't worry, I'll get somebody back in here talking with me next week so so you're not stuck with me for so long. But uh, I appreciate those of you who have stuck it out and, and listened in. We'll see you Wednesday.